All right. Um, mailbag. Hey, let's do some mailbag. You've got mail. All right. This week, we have mail from one of our many listeners. Alvin in Canada has questions about Zscaler. From the great white north. My heavens, it's an international mailbag. It is, which seems to be have been the theme so far. we we got to get some more domestic mail. Come on, you Americans, step up. So Alvin's question, I don't know if he actually had a question. He was looking for information on Zscaler. Oh. Effectively, is it, is it good or is it bad? Gave a little context to, the, to his ass saying that they're in the process of evaluating Zscaler and trying to figure out if it's, if it's a good fit, but more importantly, if it's a good technology. Cool. So I thought we could have a go at that. Who better to ask than you? This is good. Well, you also, because you are now Zscaler certified. Well, I am. And thank you to the, the team at Zscaler for excellent foundational content so that we would know what we're talking about today. Solid. So this is going to be tricky to navigate because it uses the pit of despair terms. Yeah, we're going to have to go to, I think, the judge and arbiter, uh, Uberale, one Holly Studwell, to ask if we can have a pass on the conditions which cause us to do shots every time we mention the one minus one trust word that currently exists at the pit of despair. Because that is a big part of the function as described by the team at Zscaler. Yeah, solid. So Holly, are we in? <laughs> Excellent. Waiver. Sweet. Zero trust, zero trust, zero trust. There we go. Uh, just get it. Just get it all out. <laughs> get it out. Uh, now, now I feel like we're cutting ourselves short. Because <laughs> we don't have to drink? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like... It's a, a Pyrrhic victory. Uh, exactly. Well, not, it's not totally Pyrrhic because I want to come back and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week. No. All right. Zscaler here. So let, how are we going to break this out? So let's talk about their CEO a little bit. Cool. C- CEO. We'll talk about business metrics, briefly touch on a couple legal things that have been resolved, and we can talk about why that's important. Acquisitions. There's, there's actually one in particular that um, I like a ton that we can talk about. And then if we get to it, we um, can talk about the product pieces and why they have business benefit. And yeah, you go from there. Yeah. All right. So kind of starting at the very, very top, very top, Jay, Jay Chowdhury. He's the CEO of Zscaler. What do you think? Super impressed. Uh, super impressed that he had this idea back in 07, I think, right? The idea, we'd long been talking about the, the failure and the deprimitarization, the networks in general. And clearly, Jay had this going on from an early stage. So number one, technical visionary points, high, right? Second thing is, and this is super, super recent, you know, having had some instruction on how to go look for the content and learn a little bit more about the company before we start shooting our mouths off. Yet, I'll tell you, that some <laughs> of the best content that's, that's delivered is delivered by their CEO. Yeah. When you've got a company that's as successful as uh, Zscaler is today and a CEO who's made the kind of right decisions he's made, and you're going to go through some of the, the, the great decisions they made business-wise, I think it's pretty awesome the dude is still involved. Yeah. Right? He could be lounging back with my ties. And uh, oh, no, he's still involved, and I think that, that betokens well for the future of the company. So net-net for me, CEO rating looks pretty great in terms of Jay. What do you think? Yeah, I... I, I liked him. I liked seeing him in the training that, that, that you took. That's <laughs> 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 um, a, was a joke. I didn't, I did, I, I, I did actually watch that. You know, I, I think that someone in that position and the role that they fill is incredibly important. And a CEO who's an innovator, a market leader, someone who's trying to push the envelope for cyber is going to have a material bearing on the direction of their product and what it means to the market. 
Conversely, a company in a different position as a CEO that maybe they're trying to optimize for profit or, you know, whatever the scenario may be, maybe they're have a more spreadsheet centric mm-hmm. view of the world. They're going to be running their completely not their company, not for innovation, but rather to maximize numbers. Right. And so when I look at Jay, what he's done over the years here, um, he's been innovating. He's been trying to change the market effectively, which is markedly different from what I've seen from other other CEOs. And I mean, I've said it in past episodes that I cherish and appreciate the innovation because not everybody can do it. Jay's, Jay's shown that he, he can actually be that guy. So I'm, I'm thumbs up on Jay. Okay, let's talk about business metrics for, for a second here. We can um, be kind of quick on this. So they are annually over 120% dollar-based net retention rate, which means when you look at their annual recurring revenue, they are selling more to existing customers. More customers are adapting their product and... Um, I, mean, I guess kind of embracing the platform, if you will. So, so much so that there's a 120% increase on existing customer base. And not that I would kind of issue that as like, um, like, like a cautionary thing. Rather, I'd say like, it's clear that their customers love their platform, right? And, and are using it. Yeah, I think, I think the great thing about it is people, for those in the audience who tend to be more technical listeners, maybe, or more security oriented, you know, the idea that you maintain your customers, that retention is really important. But when Justin describes like that net positive retention at that level, that means not only are they keeping most of the folks they have, but the folks they have are using more of their stuff. So to me, as we're talking to Alvin, you know, trying to make that decision about what to do, clearly a, a, a large number of the organizations which have made the decision that Alvin's thinking about making have made it and are going to continue to make it over the course of time in greater and greater volume. So I think to the answer of, of, of Alvin's question, yeah, you're right on the money, right? That that's a, that another indicator that that was a pretty good choice for somebody else. So year-over-year retention rates, the good and in, in increasing, they have a 65% increase in sales and marketing spend. They have a 78% increase in R&D spend. And that's going from fiscal year 20 to fiscal year 21, which says they're not only trying to expand their market position, but they're also doing the hard work of reinvesting back into the platform with, with R&D. And, you know, uh, can I come back to what we were saying earlier about being in Jay being a market innovator, trying to change the industry, this proof is in the numbers. And then, then lastly, um, just, just the last thing I want to point out here is if you only looked at their financial statements and you only looked at their bottom line, it, it actually shows a, a net loss. That's on a gap recorded financial statement. So that's generally accepted accounting principles. And in the case of Zscaler, they're a heavy options-based company. And when you're a publicly traded company and you're granting options, or a lot of them, you actually have to record the liability, which actually um, kind of creates a dent to profitability and adds additional expenditures that are probably a little bit more paper than they are realized. But overall, prior to that, or kind of above that, um, Zscaler is running a profitable operations from what I can tell. Yeah, I think that goes back to your point about running the company based on a vision and not a spreadsheet. Yep. Right, because that same practice of allocating more options to both the employees and to the executives pretty much ensures that they're going to hang around, yep. right? And so, if Alvin is making a decision today based on what they see in the marketplace uh, coming out of Zscaler, you can be pretty sure that it, it feels as though the executive team and the board and whoever is uh, approving for the allocation in terms of options is wanting to make sure that they maintain that consistency. This isn't a run and gun. This is a long term kind of thing. So, another measure of probably a good choice longer term. Yep. Solid. Next one, just quickly, we'll talk about legal stuff. Um, so 
I didn't see anything recent, nothing on the horizon that I can tell. Everything that's been pending in years past has now been closed. Uh, I think why that's important for someone like Alvin looking to step into the Zscaler platform is if there's pending question on patent infringement, for an example, on a feature that exists within that platform, you, you step in the platform and that feature is subsequently removed from that platform because of patent infringement, it materially changes what you bought the platform for in the first place. And I think a, a really good example of that recently can apply to the consumer space was, um, if I recall correctly, Sonos had claimed patent infringement against Google and Google Home. So Google Home was using the same features that Sonos had a patent on. Um, Sonos won that that patent infringement claim, and Google was um, forced to subsequently remove that feature from their platform. So if you bought Google Home for that feature, and then it turned around and it's like not there anymore, like it's kind of a buzzkill. So, so in the case of uh, Zscaler, nothing nothing legal on the horizon that I've been able to see. So that's thumbs up. Touching on acquisitions real quick, looks like we have two, three, four, five acquisitions that occurred in 2021, all towards the theme of uh, platform enhancement, adding new features and capabilities, all seemingly uh, smart acquisitions. Just reading down through the list, so there's uh, Trustome. They are a leading innovator in cloud infrastructure entitlement management. There's Smokescreen Technologies, which is a leader in active defense and deception technologies, which you and I have talked about in the past. Edgewise Networks, um, they are a pioneer in securing application-to-application communication in public cloud and data centers. Cloud Netty, or Netty, I'm not sure how exactly you say it. They are a cloud posture management company that prevents and remediates application misconfigurations. Um, and the last one was actually my favorite was um, Absolute. So they were a company out of the Boston metro area, and they're a web isolation platform uh, that basically renders content in the cloud and only sends safe pixels to the local browser. So otherwise you can basically think of it as, um, as a sandbox. So application gets rendered within the sandbox. If everything is safe, it gets passed to the user. If not, it stays within that sandbox. So if someone has like a zero pixel iframe, they've um, kind of poisoned an app with that zero pixel iframe would not be passed to the user. So Zscaler acquired them uh, this past year. Seems like a pretty solid acquisition strategy, straight line. If you look at the reasons why the company was started back when, uh, a lot of it had to do with that secure access for users and for different assets, and also that idea that moving to the cloud was going to be dangerous for people. And it sounds like, to your point, it's pretty much a straight line in terms of what they're trying to build with some of the strategic acquisitions they've made. And I do like some of the fact that some of it's doing some of the newer stuff, You know, whether we're talking about posture management because we've seen so many mistakes in the way we, people lay out leaky buckets, what have you, in the cloud. Um, and also, I, I do like the fact that they've got they've picked up a deception vendor in there because I think, as we talked about in one of the early episodes, you know, it's a technology that's starting to get a little bit more light, and it'll be interesting. And we talked about this for those of you who who didn't hear it in the Sentinel One acquisition, the Swipes episode about the acquisition of Ativo. Uh, it's just a really, really interesting space, and it's good to see a player the scale of Zscaler uh, getting involved. Yeah, you want to talk about some of the use cases real quick? We can talk about the the business benefits that yeah. that we see. Um, so we, we can go pretty fast through these here. So there's effectively four modules or um, kind of products within the Zscaler platform. Um, so the first one is ZIA, so Z, Zscaler Internet Access. Best way I would describe that for people who aren't familiar with the platform is um, you can think of it as inline content inspection and firewall access controls. Hmm. So 
basically provides users, servers, OT, IoT devices, secure access to externally managed applications, SaaS regarding to their, their destination. That's a big deal lately, right? So pandemic sends everybody home. Everything that used to be local is now remote. It, we found it poured a lot of gasoline onto the cloud transformation business. So a lot of stuff moved more quickly to the cloud than people expected. Maybe their authenticating infrastructures weren't in place yet for that. Yeah. And so I think the ZIA was a, a way, and it's probably a result. It, it's probably one of the reasons why you see the resulting increase in the revenues associated with Zscaler and the popularity in general and questions from folks like Alvin uh, is because getting that thing to happen in a way that is applied maybe after you've already had the transformation in your head. Um, it happens easier because of the way that these guys are throwing it together for you to get that remote access security, you know, through the proxy, through what's going on in, in the Zscaler infrastructure. Yeah. And if you're, if you have a legacy infrastructure, mm -hmm. this could be a pretty significant cost savings for you because if you think of the world as, um, you know, the traditional four walls of the office, all network communications term is terminating within your four walls. There's probably a lot of ways that you're doing that, either through VPN gateways or even you had dedicated MPLS circuits that you were paying for, which are not cheap. And so what, what ZIA is effectively proposing, and I think is probably one of the biggest benefits, is you no longer have to backhaul all that traffic back into the organization. You don't have to pay for those dedicated MPLS lines. And it's not the type of thing where saying in order to get a get access to a cloud asset, you have to go, let's say, from your home back into your office, then out to the cloud. What Zscaler would allow that user to do is go direct from user's laptop, direct to that cloud asset in a very secure way, reduces the backhaul, reduces the cost of MPLS circuits, reduces having to basically scale VPN concentrators in order to, to host a remote workforce. So I think it's, uh, it's a nice balance between security and infrastructure cost savings. Yeah, I think it also, it, it highlights one of the sort of the critical compo architectural components of what goes on in Zscaler that I like because I'm a fossil. Um, there's a lot of proxying <laughs> behaviors that happen here, right? A lot of the reason that this thing works well is because it's got a highly performing proxy. I'm going to take us down memory lane just for a second. Just yeah. and This is before some of our listeners are born. Um, the early firewalls were all proxy-based, right? Yeah. The, the firewall toolkit back in the day, basically you'd connect to a proxy, it would connect you out. And it wasn't super fast, um, but it was super secure because nothing, you made the point earlier about the zero, the, about the single pixel, right? Yeah. Um, you knew that what you were getting was going to be sort of cleaned up because it came through the proxy. Yeah. And that, that existed, you know, for a while. The TIS gauntlet firewall, again, for those of you history buffs, you know, if, um, if Jack Daniel is listening, that's a shoulder you build on, right? But what ended up happening was like Checkpoint and others came along with this thing called deep packet inspection where they're sort of just like right running it through. It became more of a router, a router with a little bit of brains yeah. as opposed to a proxy. And I think it was because the iron back then was slower. Right? So a proxy was a real hang-up in the middle of things, and nobody wanted sand in the machine creating friction when I was trying to get to the brand-new shiny internet in 1999. Right? And so the gang at Checkpoint goes, hey, this can be really fast. I didn't say it could be super secure, but it's going to be secure enough, and it turned into something great over time. But they really kicked ass because in those days, proxies were seen as sort of a hang-up. But when I see Zscaler and I see the ratings that they get, it feels as though they've, the, the, a combination of Moore's Law and better programming practices in the cloud have allowed them to wring out better performance out of a proxy. So now we're back to a place that I like as a dinosaur, right? Where I'm connecting to something that I know is going to do a relatively rigorous job of getting me in and connect me to something that I sort of know where it's at because it's actually going to stand in the middle. Yeah. And as we've talked a lot in terms of managed security services, right? I like having something in the middle between the start and the end 
that actually does some judgment, some judgment level stuff. And so in our case, it's about applying brains to it. And sometimes there's ML you can apply to things. But this proxy I like, it stands in the middle between all those remote users who are now at home running on their kid's computer, and they're trying to get to the service that they used to be in the office next door. So loving the proxy. <laughs> Your description makes me think of those uh, jet-fueled NASCAR, like, dra- <laughs> dragsters. Exactly. I'll be like, it's super fast, but not very safe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and honestly, you know, a lot of credit to, to the teams at Checkpoint and, uh, you know, near the team at Palo and what have you. That technology has really advanced a ton. But I just remember when it first came out, they, they completely changed. This is a marketing, you know, a marketing thing. They changed the language of security from um, security, the proxies and TIS, what have yeah. you, Raptor, to feeds and speeds. Hey, look at how fast this is. And let's face it, everyone who's listening to this knows, and one of the reasons to listen to you and I chatter back and forth is because not everybody loves security, right? And yeah. we're trying to find ways to get people to like it more and talk about it more. And so it was a, easy, a lot easier to say, we're going to be secure and it's not going to slow you down anymore. So, you know, credit to the Zscaler team, the ZIA thing as an example, you know, uh, creating a proxying behavior that isn't performance intensive, that allows the users to have a more secure experience of connecting, like you say, to the back, even on-prem applications if you want them, as well as applications in the cloud. Uh, just a good way to get them home from here. So I apologize yeah. for the digression, but every time you hear the word proxy, I have this warm, fuzzy feeling for days gone by. <laughs> Solid. It's funny. I, I think of something else when you say proxy, <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll save that for another time. Let's let, let's let's push on right on through, through the next couple of these. So there's um, so we just talked about ZIA. Mm-hmm. Um, we have ZPA next, which is Zscaler Private Access. It's uh, secure access to internally managed applications, either internal or external, public, private, cloud. This is where we start to see some of the deception mm-hmm. integrations kind of come into play here. So in the case of ZPA, it's um, in short, it's basically you allow all the connectivity to uh, apps mm-hmm. or assets without having to put someone onto your, onto your network. Um, so on top of that functionality, it basically includes everything that's already in, in CIA. It's, it's, it's heavily relying on and pulling in everything that's in CIA to make the private access real. And, and super great in this economy, right, where we see organizations reach more outside to get consulting kinds of folks because it can be hard to get the full-time people and some people are never going back to the office and on and on and on. And so here's a way to get, let people you don't necessarily trust all that much to everything internally get to the app that they need in a secure way. So yep. yum, yum. Solid. And, um, you know, I think from uh, from the cost savings here, in my opinion, big, big feature add for infrastructure teams is going to be um, if you're connecting cloud you're collecting to if you're connecting to cloud enclaves, well, let's just say in the world of MA, you're trying to merge corporate networks. ZPA is a good way to start securely making those connections without really having to overthink or overinvest in infrastructure in order to enable that that connection. So that's a big time saver and cost saver there. Third one we have on our list here is uh, Zscaler Digital Experience ZDX. I actually super like yeah, this one. Fact. As a security uh, person, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so the, the, the short of it is it's an uh, agent on the user endpoint that basically measures the user's experience with company assets. And either that's a network or that's applications, and it will measure latency, it measures response times. And um, if, you're, if you're an IT administrator, it 
basically gives your IT administrators the tools that they need to proactively correct either network issues, application issues, quality of service issues. And the net of it all is that your administrators can proactively do those things without having to get bombarded with phone calls or help desk tickets. I love that because security is always the bad guy or the bad gal, right? Depending on how you look at it, right? And so if we can, through the use of any tool, including this one, identify what the real problem is and get it out of the way and, you know, we become more like butter than sandpaper as a security community. That's pretty awesome, right? Because yeah. how often as security teams and our listeners as well, you call somebody to say, hey, this is Jack from security. And there isn't like this dreadful pause, yeah. right? As they're wondering like, what did I do wrong? What's the new policy? How much is this call going to suck, yeah. right? As opposed to, hey, this is Jack Danny from security. And I just noticed that one of those applications you're using is really heavily loaded. You may want to use some load sharing. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much, Mr. Danny. That's very nice. Thank you. And they want to hate me the next time I call. So I think yeah. it's awesome. I'm with you. Yeah. It's, uh, security and HR, I think, are the ones who will crash. That's right. Jack, this is HR. Uh, I'm sorry. Jack's left the building. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> and are you coming to visit me with a box? Or <laughs> exactly. a stack of papers? A pig, a pig slip? Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, so that was ZDX. Last one here, just real quick. ZCP. It's like... It's a tongue twister for me. Mm. Um, Zscaler Z Cloud Protection. Uh, this is just their workload posture solution. Three components to it. It's got cloud security posture management, SIEM. I, I hate that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, cloud infrastructure entitlement management, not to be confused with SIM. This is SIEM. I see another episode in the office. This is th- this is one I'd actually like to throw in the pit here is DLP. I don't. I uh, yeah, that's if, different. Like the pit of despair isn't for technologies we hate. It's about it's about technologies where the words are really. I think everybody knows yeah. what oh, yeah. DLP means. Yeah. They just don't like it very much. No, I just just the term. Yeah. The term. So next, so the third one. So we talked about cloud posture management. Yep. We talked about cloud infrastructure entitlement management, and the third one is is DLP. Yep. And so DLP is a term I like to throw in. And if it gets close enough to the pit. I actually just might put my boot in his backside <laughs> and push it all the way in. So those, I, I think we can probably do entire episodes on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if we go back to the original you know, discussion of why the company was started, the fact that the cloud has itself turned out to be sort of tortuous for people to manage securely and people make small mistakes that have big impacts. You look back to Capital One hack a couple of years ago, yep. those kinds of things. I think this is good. I, I don't think... I don't think this is being positioned as the be-all, end-all for cloud security, but I think if you're using Zscaler to access these assets, it allows you to feel a little bit better about the security, the infrastructure you're plugging into. So I, I kind of dig it, you know, yep. it, and I, I haven't seen it positioned as this is the thing you should definitely use for cloud security. If somebody said that, I'd have to go dig into it a little bit more deeply. But as, you know, part of a portfolio that helps those users you describe and the, the applications you describe get connected to securely, I'm pretty good with it. Yeah, solid. Okay. Those are the use cases. I'm personally thumbs up on those. Last one I just kind of want to touch on here because it's worth noting their architecture mm-hmm. is pretty significant. They made some, some big investments into it. So they have over 150 data centers on five continents. Um, they process over 160 billion requests per day from users across 185 countries. Nice. So um, it kind of reminds me of a content delivery mm-hmm. network a little bit. Um, and they have 275 issued and impending patents. So, um, so that's all. It's all good. All right. So, brass tacks. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I just want to groove on what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just so we don't lose it, because you're right on the architecture analysis. I know you did a crap ton of work on it as well. 
for the listeners who are worrying, you know, is this going to scale with me? Is this thing going to grow? Right. Yeah. I would say probably 2019 through 2000 and now um, has been a period of incredibly rapid adoption. Justin mentioned the fact that the revenues have grown in a certain way. We noticed the reinvestment back in R and D. We noticed some of the acquisitions. So I think one of the, th- the good, the good vibes I get it about is I think there's a lot of companies who get squished when you turn the faucet on really yeah. fast. Right. And it sounds like they've got the infrastructure to your point about the design of the architecture and the, and the data centers, which are basically everywhere. It sounds to me, at least if Alvin makes the choice and his traffic is traveling outside of Canada, someplace else, then it's likely that Zscale will continue to scale and support it. Because I think this period of time, the, the at-home workers, the remote working, the pandemic, all that stuff has driven an enormous scalability challenge on a lot of companies and it appears like they came through it pretty good. So uh, I just want to just say that, yeah, I think the, the research you did into the architecture, it's a big deal because they're going to be able to keep, keep scaling. Yep. So back to tax. Brass tax. Brass tax. Thumbs up, thumbs down on Zscaler. My opinion, yep. thumbs up. Uh, and, and my reasoning is uh, it exists. It has existed for a long time, obviously run by a really smart person who's still yep. involved, even though he's had great success. I know of a load of people who use it and rely on it. And I know it's really hard to do remote. And we're only going to get more remote. And so for me, when I think about this challenge of how do we get people connected remotely without having to completely turn my IT organization upside down, inside out, or double staff them, it seems like a, a pretty good choice to me. It's probably a choice I would make because there's air cover because a lot of people have done it. Um, the analyst teams like them very much. And our analysis of it, you and I just, you know, goofing around, digging in, it seems pretty solid to me. So yeah. I'm, I'm a big thumbs up. Yeah, I'm um, a thumbs up too. I like the direction they're heading. I like what Jay's been doing for the company. What Zscaler is doing is a really good example of how uh, security can kind of be a business enabler. Mm. Really is saying if this procurement of Zscaler originates from a security use case, it has broad scale implications to the entire organization and a cost savings. And like how many scenarios can you, I don't, I don't know, can you think of that basically it's something that originates out of security that not only makes the organization more secure, but also could potentially save the organization money, either through person hours saved or infrastructure uh, spend saved, or maybe you don't have to renew an MPLS line because of it. And overall, you're improving your user's experience. I, I don't know. I, I see that as definitely a win-win, but I also don't see it often that right on. that, that scenario happens. So I'm actually two thumbs up on, on Zscaler. Sweet. Digging it. Sweet. All right. Let's wrap this one. This yep. one. And if uh, any of our listeners have other companies that they think are interesting, if there are other people like, no, wait a minute, this is even better. Feel free to let us know, right? This came to us. This isn't something we were not looking for. We're happy to look at it. We love learning new things, love putting our own analytical little hats on with our miners lights on the front of them and uh, <laughs> trying to figure it out. So don't hesitate to reach in. This is not meant to be uh, anything other than just an assessment by of a couple of folks who have been looking at this for a little while. Yeah. And um, it's meant to be super objective right too. Um, I've got nothing, nothing to gain either way from Mm-mm. from this. So, no, plus these are these are pretty fun to do. Different. Yeah, fact. <laughs> right. And Alvin, thank you very much. Mill bags like my favorite thing. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Alvin. Uh, if you need help with cybersecurity, reach us at pwned at newharborsecurity dot com, and we'll catch you next episode. <laughs>